Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. Keeping on with what I've been doing the last couple of weeks, I want to start off today's episode uh, talking about the Cousins reunion that's coming up maybe two weeks from when this episode airs now. Um, So it's right around the corner and I am so excited to get to see everyone who's traveling to come. If you are planning on coming and you haven't made your travel arrangements, maybe it's time to start thinking about that. Um, I hope that everyone travels safely, and when you get here, if you're a listener of the podcast, please come say hi to me. Uh, let me know that you listen, and tell me what I'm doing, what I'm doing well, and what I could be doing better. Um, but most of all, just just come and introduce yourself. It means a lot to me whenever I get to talk with listeners of the show and and hear their thoughts on it. So again, so excited for the cousins reunion coming up here in a few weeks. Um, I know that it's going to be a great time for everyone who is there and my family is excited to be around people who have shown so much love and support to us over the years. So that's my little spiel for this week and maybe next, next week will be the last one. I'll try and do something special for that, but I want to, uh, go ahead and get into today's episode and to introduce my, my guest, This is someone who I've really been looking forward to having in the studio to record an episode with, and she has graciously uh, agreed to come on and spend an hour of her time talking with me and allowing you guys as the listeners to kind of catch a glimpse into her life. And so I want to welcome my lovely Auntie Jessica Katina. Auntie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I know uh, we've been trying to get this on the books for a while now, and uh, it was difficult at first, but you're finally here, (laughs) and I think that our listeners are really going to be blessed um, getting to hear just your thoughts on things and hear me ask you some fun questions. I want to ask you, how how many of the podcasts in the past have you listened to? All of them. All of them. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. I love podcasts. So then you kind of know how the show works, especially for first time guests. I have um, three questions. Mm -hmm. And the first two questions are things that really I'm more interested in. And then the third question I ask to all of my guests, and that's more about you and um, kind of gives you a chance to talk about what you want to talk about. But we'll get there when we get there. And you know, I whenever I have first time guests, often they'll they'll ask me 
ahead of time, can you tell me what the questions are so I can prepare? And I intentionally say, no, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to tell you the questions. (laughs) I don't want you to be prepared uh, because I just want to hear your raw, authentic answers. Mm -hmm. And so these are your questions. You haven't heard them before. Right. Question number one. Um, I'll lay out, I'll, I'll lay this out a little bit. You have a son, Boston, who recently just got his first tattoo. Yes. And I know that you also have tattoos. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's some people out there who they don't know, oh, I'll never get a tattoo Mm -hmm. or I don't want to get a tattoo. But I've always known that my auntie Jessica was cool (laughs) because she had tattoos (laughs) And so I just want to ask you if you feel comfortable sharing a story or two about what your tattoos mean to you. Sure. And also if you could talk about what it's like having your son now, your firstborn, mm-hmm. who he has a tattoo. Um, he got to go, I think, with his dad to to get it. And, I actually went with him. Oh, it was you. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. we'll get into that as well. <laughs> okay. tell, tell us a little bit about... The background behind some of your tattoos. Okay. So um, I grew up in a home where we really didn't really talk about tattoos that much. My parents didn't have them. Um, I do have one grandfather who has one and he got it while he was in the military and I always thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't get my first tattoo till I was 18. And I did not get permission from my parents. Okay. <laughs> but me and my older brother went together. So I felt a little better about that. Nice. We were in it together. Um, and I just have always been fascinated by them because I feel like it's just art Mm. that you can have forever on your body. Um, you know, in the church, sometimes people say, um, your body is a temple, don't defile it, you know, all these things. But recently someone brought up a good point. I was talking to a mom at at the school the other day and she said, you know what? Temples are decorated. Mm -hmm. Temples have paintings, temples, you know, and I was like, good point. So anyways, that's, I I always felt that way, you know, um, that it wasn't defiling, you know, my body or anything. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I did it without permission. My parents didn't end up being that mad, but, um, it was a little scary at first. Um, I do everything that I've had does have a meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't regret any of them. I regret placement Mm. probably more than anything, just because a couple of the placements are trendy and I, you know, no longer really love the placement, but I love the meaning of all of them. Um, I have flowers on my arm and on my shoulder. Um, and it's probably the biggest, the biggest two pieces that I have. Um, and they are to represent all the birth flowers of my kids and of Jesse, of uncle Jesse. And so I love those. It's very meaningful. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I've got, um, some feathers that me and my mom actually went and got together on our foot that represents her dad's, um, Cherokee native American heritage. So mom came around to the tattoo. Mom came around to it. Yes. My dad has also come around to it and has some tattoos now. So (laughs) me and my brother started a trend. (laughs) I don't think my younger brother has any yet. I don't know if he will, but we'll see. Anyways. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of the different ones that I have that have, you know, meanings. Yeah. Yeah, and I just have always loved it. It's very addicting. I think it's I think it's, you know, worth 
saying for anybody out there that's thinking about getting one, if you really like art and if you really enjoyed what you're getting and it's meaningful, it's kind of addicting. So immediately yeah. after you think, oh, what am I going to get next? Or, you know, how am I going to add to that? Yeah. So I totally agree yeah. with you. So I do, I have tattoos as well. Really just one, my, yeah. my left arm um, mm-hmm. from my shoulder to my wrist has yes. ink on it. And um, the artist who did my tattoo is the same one who just gave Boston a tattoo. Right, right. Um, tell me what what, the, what that was like going with BG. And... I was so excited for yeah. him. I really didn't anticipate that I was going to be the one to take him because usually the dads will take yeah. them. But the guys ended up having a show that weekend. Okay. And so I went instead, which I thought was really special just because I've always loved tattoos anyways. And I was fascinated with the cultural tattoo. Mm-hmm. So um, before I got tattoos, I did not know this, but the word tattoo comes from a Samoan word mm-hmm. and and kind of originated yep. in the islands. And so I thought that was really cool. And I think because culturally it means so much to you guys, I love that Boston got his tattoo. Yeah. Now he waited a year past when all the rest of you guys did. I think you guys were 16, right? Well, so the age has gone down oh, since I got it. So I okay. waited till I was, it was like the week I turned 18 was oh, when I got okay. it. So he might've still gotten it earlier than yeah, I did. Yeah, he's 17. As the years have gone by, some of the cousins, just, they just couldn't wait. So yes. I always thought, man, I had to wait till I was done with high school. It was like a <laughs> graduation gift for you me. You did get one early though, down in Florida, right? Yes, I yes. did. It's since, so it was on my left arm. Oh, um, okay. It was on the inside of my left mm-hmm. forearm. And Got when covered. I, yeah, when I finished it, so I finished my sleeve last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking with Seth. I was like, what should we do? Should, you can you go around it or should we cover it yeah and he was like oh, we can do whatever, whatever you want to do i was mm-hmm. like oh, let's just cover it yeah so, but yeah so i did get one when i was like i want to say i was 16 but yeah. it was small and you had to go out of the state because here in tennessee yeah I they're think, not legally yeah, allowed to legal tattoo tennessee, but mm-hmm. florida you know how florida, florida is. You kentucky can, yeah. you can kind of go other places yeah yeah so boston so you and he boston got went, his yes yeah. i was so super excited for him um and i was really fascinated with the way that seth tattoos um because he's truly an artist um, he said he's been drawing tattoo art since he was young. And so that's kind of um, where he started. He didn't intentionally start out like thinking I'm going to be a tattoo artist, but he did draw that art. Wow. And so um, when I was watching him tattoo, it was it was really cool to see the differences between the other tattoo artists and him. Yeah. Like I told him, he holds his his tattoo gun, isn't that what you call it, I think? Yeah. Um, like a pencil. And, mm-hmm. I, and the way that he was doing his strokes looked like he was sketching. Mm. Um, I had another tattoo artist that did some of my flowers that looked like he was painting. Wow. So I think based on what your different kind of art is that yeah. you do other than tattooing, it probably influences how you tattoo. Totally. So that was really fascinating to me. And then also the fact that he doesn't stencil. Mm-hmm. He just freehands it, and it's pretty perfect. Yeah, I mean, I am I am really impressed. Yeah. Um, but also that he kind of comes up with it on the fly too, mm-hmm. and decides what what symbols he wants, and that there's meaning behind it, yeah. and all of that. Yeah, that was cool. When um, so Seth is um, I agree, he's amazing. He's an uh, he's more than just a tattoo guy. He's an artist. He's an artist. And yeah. I remember when so I was probably sixteen. 
when I told my dad that when I graduate high school, we should go get tattoos together. Yeah. Tribal tattoos. Okay. And So were you guys the ones that started it? We were the first ones to go to Seth. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I think my dad just kind of flippantly was like, yeah, we'll do it, son. We'll do it. <laughs> and then like the semester before I graduated, I was like, dad, it's coming up. What are we yeah. going to do? And I think my dad had forgotten about it. <laughs> and so... He was like, because my dad had no tattoos right. and he kind of grew up the same way as you. Like mm-hmm. his parents were not about tattoos. So at, I don't rem- my dad was probably in his late forties at mm-hmm. that point and he was still fighting that yeah. battle, but yeah. he had committed to me that he was going to do it. And so I remember he started looking for um, artists around Nashville that could, oh, yeah. that could do it. And he found one, and he started he started designing a tattoo for oh, us. Oh, interesting. And um, my dad, that's who we were going to go to. And this guy, um, I really appreciate him because he designed the tattoo for us. And then he told my dad, yeah, I'm ready to do it for you guys, but I just got to be honest. I feel like if you want to get a Samoan tattoo... You need to go to a Samoan artist. Oh, that's good. And my dad hadn't even considered that. Yeah. Um, but this guy, he he understood, I think, even more than we probably did. Yeah. Like the, the cultural significance of the mm-hmm. tattoo. And so through that, my dad started reaching out to people. And that's how he got in touch with Seth. Yeah. Um, and I'm so thankful for that artist who told my dad that because when Seth was giving me my tattoo and I'm sure he did this with Boston as well he would be um going through a pattern Mm -hmm. or doing a symbol and he would tell me okay Josh this is this symbol this is what this means and this is where this comes from yeah and that was really special for me Mm -hmm. because um I've talked about this before but being half white half someone Mm -hmm. there's uh insecurities I think that come with that when I'll ask myself, well, how Samoan am I really? (laughs) And getting to have a guy who I think is one of the best that does it, that really sat with me. And not only did he put his art on my skin, Mm -hmm. but he also like laid the story out for me. That was such a special experience. And whenever my cousins get to go do that with Seth, I get excited that they get to experience that. Absolutely. And he was so sweet and humble um, when when I was asking him about some of that stuff too because he said sometimes he'll have people come in and teach him mm. so he's still humble enough to learn yeah. more about the culture because he grew up here in the states mm. um, and then also he said there's even like full-on white people that'll come in and talk about Samoa they they've studied about it or yeah. they've been there or they know people from Samoa and um, he will learn stuff from them so he's constantly learning and evolving and I think that's really cool too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, how did how, how did Boston feel about it at the end? He is he loves it so yeah. much. He love absolutely loves it. He looks at it all the time. He's so happy to yeah. show it off. <laughs> um, and I mean, for you, I'm sure it was like this too. You were probably one of the only friends your age that had a tattoo that big. Oh, Not yeah. only just had a tattoo, but had one that big. Yeah. And so that's been another kind of shocker for people at school mm-hmm. is they're like, oh my gosh, not only 
did he get a tattoo? It's huge. Yeah. And it's Boston. He's like the <laughs> quietest. And, uh, you know, he doesn't like attention. He did say that first day was kind of scary because yeah. everybody kept wanting to show it off. Yeah. But he got through it. it good for Beachy. Yeah. I'm excited. I remember when I got mine, I, I couldn't stop looking in the mirror yeah. for probably a month. I was just like, <laughs> wow, I can't believe this is my arm. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking about tattoos with yeah, me. Absolutely. There's your first question. Nice. Um, We'll go on to your second one. Okay. And so I know that you, we, you kind of talked about your childhood a little bit, but mm-hmm. you grew up with, um, you grew up as a pastor's kid. Yes. Um, and I know that there's a lot of like stereotypes mm-hmm. that people give pastor's kids and things that we think we know about what it's like to be a pastor's kid. Yeah. Um, but you were one and growing up with, a father who was in ministry. Was your mom in ministry as well? Yeah, just by default. Yeah. 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 But uh-huh. your dad was a pastor. Yes. Is a pastor. Uh-huh. Um, did you ever think that one day you would have kids that had a dad who was in ministry as well? I think, yeah, I did. Yeah. I didn't know it would be this kind of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I thought I would just marry either a pastor, or a youth pastor, yeah. or a music minister or something. So you kind of had that. I in kind the of back already of thought that, yeah, just because that's maybe that's all I knew. Okay. Um, but also, I, I knew I wanted to do some kind of ministry mm-hmm. myself. So I thought that was pretty much the direction I would go in and who I would kind of find and fall in line with what their vision of their life would be so um yeah i kind of imagined it okay so your official second question is since you grew up as a pastor's kid with parents in ministry how do you think your childhood and your experience through that has influenced the way that you parent your kids who also have parents in ministry yes okay so i guess the major difference between my dad being in ministry and their dad being in ministry is that jesse travels Mm -hmm. So there's a whole element of like, I wasn't prepared for that, but yet God gives me, you know, the wisdom and grace every single day to be able to parent my kids. But no, I don't know what I'm doing there. Um, The things that I can relate to and that I made sure um, to say to them and make sure to reassure them of was that their decisions do not reflect on me Mm. and um, that they don't have to make good decisions so that me or their dad looks good or looks better yeah. just because we're in the ministry or whatever, or Jesse's in the ministry. Um, cause I think even my parents not necessarily saying that there was always that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to make sure my kids knew that they were making decisions based on, um, to, because they love God yeah. and because they want to be obedient and they want to do what's best for God and then in themselves and for others, you know, um, and not for me because that never, um, it, that's not long lasting. Mm. If you're making decisions based on what you think is best for other people, either you get burnout at some point or you get resentful. And I did not want that to Mm. happen. And I wanted them to have the right motivation to make good decisions. Yeah. That's That's one of the things. That's great. I think, you know, growing up, one with a dad who's in ministry and also just being a part of a family that is so tight knit. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I had to kind of struggle with was like trying to find myself outside of my yeah. family and yeah. outside of ministry. And I think even in my marriage, like that has really kind of come back. It's like 
me realizing that, you know, my family, when I say my family, me and Alexis, yeah. it's it's different than just the, the Katina family. Mm-hmm. And we're yeah. apart, but we also, we're our own family. And so mm-hmm. I think it's so good that you're conscious of that with, with your kids. And yeah. um, do you, do you think that, um, do you, do you see like the stereotypes of like pastors, kids being like kind of the wild ones wild. or whatever? Oh yeah. That was do the you, biggest stereotype when I was growing up. Do you see that as being accurate when it came to your life? I would say 50, 50. It was definitely not accurate for me okay. personally. I was very straight laced. I took myself way too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also was, I think just my personality is super just practical and logical. And so to me, when I was presented with those opportunities to do those things, it just didn't make sense to me. Mm. I was like, eh, yeah. no, the, the cost of this action doesn't yeah. make sense. So, um, and I, I also, I'm sure my older brother would agree. I learned from his mistakes uh-huh. too, because he did try some of those things. I think my brother's definitely hit the... Um, the pastor's kid stereotypes in college, maybe not so much in high school. We mm-hmm. lived in a really small town, so it would have been really hard for them to sneak around because everybody knew everybody. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely college before they started like testing the major boundaries okay. and stuff. Yeah. Well, cool. I love, so I went to Lee University, yes. which is a private Christian school yeah. and there's a lot of pastor's kids there. Oh yeah. And so I met a lot of kids who fit that stere- yeah. the pastor's kid stereotype, and I kind of consider myself somewhat of a pastor's kid. Yeah. I grew up in a family that did ministry, and so yeah. I I feel like me and my cousins probably can relate to a lot of the same pressures, pros and, yeah, pressures, yeah. pros and cons mm-hmm. of having a family that's in ministry. Yeah, and I don't think it's talked about enough, the pros. I totally agree Do with you. Do you agree? I, I just, I was going to say that earlier, like... Yes, there's pressure to act a certain way or look a certain way, but also I feel like God, there's so many blessings mm-hmm. to, you know, being, they just, our, our dads being obedient to yeah. the calling because it's a hard calling. Yeah. I mean, as a pastor in a small town, there was always every the pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And we grew up in a denomination where there weren't like multiple pastors that shared the um, bulk of the duties. He mm-hmm. was like everything to everyone. Wow. And so that was a lot of pressure. Um, in fact, later on in his life, it, it really took a toll on his health physically. Yeah. So, um, I hate that, you know, mm-hmm. I hate that it caused that, but, um, because of his obedience, I feel like we had so many blessings. Um, and also I'm just happy to, to watch my parents serve, yeah. um, did things that were not always they didn't serve themselves Mm -hmm. you know and so that was a good example for me yeah to be able to follow and that they were pointing me in the right direction Mm -hmm. you know even though I had to come to terms with what do I believe and what was you know the difference between what I actually believe about who God is and what was I just taught or what did I observe I had to really figure that out probably probably around college age as well I totally agree with you I think growing up in a house that is so others focused. Yeah. I think that teaches you some valuable things yeah. about just how to treat people. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, my dad has, has talked to me often about how, you know, their ministry has been sustained mostly just through their relationships Absolutely. with people. 
And mm-hmm. it's taught me the value of relationships yeah. and investing in people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think people are the best investment that you can make. Yeah. And um, I definitely have learned that just by watching my dad. And I'm sure you did as well. Uh, absolutely. Um, but... And I know that your kids are, are learning that as well. So. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> They're teenagers, so you know. Yeah. Well, maybe we will talk about them a little bit okay. in your, your next question. Yes. There's your first two questions, okay. Auntie. Nice. Um, and so, like I said earlier, this third question is really what this podcast is all about. And I ask all of my guests this question. And it's open-ended on purpose because I mm-hmm. want you to answer it however you'd like. Uh, but the question is this. What's going on at home? Yeah, I guess that would lead into talking about my kids because that's pretty much all that's going on right now. Um, It's at the end of the school year, so it's always, you know, kind of crazy. Whether or not you have somebody graduating, it's crazy. May Mm -hmm. is just always crazy. Um, So I have felt like it's a little chaotic, um, but I guess in a good way. There's lots of fun things going on as well. Um, I've got a 17-year-old Boston who is a junior, a 15-year-old Mira who is a freshman, and then Sammy is in third grade. And so they have exams all this week or up until Wednesday. Wednesday's the last day. Mm. Um, A lot of preparation for that. My two girls are going to dance at a luau downtown in Nashville this weekend, so they're preparing for that. Um... Sammy just got done with her soccer season. She actually didn't get to play in but two games because she broke her arm. Oh, wow. How did I not know that? I don't know. She She... started riding a skateboard and fell off one day. And um, during spring break, we found out that she had broken it. Oh, man. Poor Sammy. I know. She... It's fine. She kind of liked wearing her brace yeah. <laughs> and telling everybody I she never, fell off her skateboard. I never got to wear like a cast when I was growing yeah. up. I always thought they were cool because yeah. you could pick your color and everyone signed yeah. there. I was never cool enough to break a bone. So. <laughs> That's what I told her. I was like, it's at least a cool story. You fell yeah. off a skateboard. Yeah, you're tough. That's, you get some street cred from that. Yeah. Um, I remember I just got flashbacks of like finals and like mm, exams. From, yes high school and middle school and I remember how stressed how stressful that time was for me and I wish I could go back and tell my younger self Mm -hmm. don't stress out so much um because I don't know those years you never get back and it's a shame to spend any of that time stressing I think there is a lot of pressure put on you guys at school to maintain a certain grade point average or do a certain, you know, do certain honors classes or you did all of the AP classes, right? So <laughs> yeah. there were, there's a, so much pressure and not every child is cut out for that kind of academic, you know, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Journey. Yeah. Um, and so I'm pretty sure my kids would say this um, about us, but we are actually sometimes too laid back about grades <laughs> um to the extent of like we're like uh did you take your exam are you caught up on all your schoolwork <laughs> and so um i don't think my kids feel pressure from us to as far as like the exams and grades but they do have the pressure from school um and we more than anything i always tell them i'm like i want you to have integrity i want you to finish your work because it's those teachers have done their job Mm -hmm. to give you the work. You might, you know, 
please just honor them by doing it and do your best. Mm -hmm. Don't just give 50%, give a hundred percent. And if hundred percent gives you a C, then good for you. Mm -hmm. But I just want you to have integrity in the process. And so hopefully (laughs) this last week hasn't been too stressful for them, but inevitably they get it from school. Boston's a junior. So he's hearing a lot about college. I'm not sure that's going to be his path. It might be. Um, but I just want, I want him to have dreams and passions about whatever that is. And if that means a tech school or a trade or missions or college, that's what that means. Mm-hmm. And I just want him to figure that out for himself. Yeah. I think I've been thinking about Boston lately cause I knew he was going, he's getting ready to go into his senior yeah. year. And I think it's changed since I was in his shoes but I remember my junior year leading up to senior year, Yeah, I was hearing from teachers and counselors about, you know, you need to take these tests mm-hmm. to get the, you need to get these scores and you need to apply for these scholarships and right. the, all of this stuff, which is a lot for a 16, 17 year old. It is a lot. And I don't think there's no way I was really understanding kind of what I was doing and right. like just how big the decisions I was making were yes. and when I was at his when I was his age like there was not any other option laid out to me besides yeah. college yeah um not by my school by mm-hmm. my teachers my parents weren't really like they weren't pushing me to go to college mm-hmm. but it was like they didn't talk to me about text trade school right. or even Other going options. and working or yeah. it was just like, well, are you, have you applied here and mm-hmm. what are you going to do, Josh? And yeah. I think if I hadn't chosen to go to college, that would have been fine with them. Yeah. But, um, I don't think my peers, a lot of my peers probably wouldn't have been able to say the, say the right. same thing. Like it was college or bust for a right. lot, for all of us. Then. Right. There's no other option. And I think the conversation has kind of started to change, especially with like, the, we hear about the student debt crisis mm-hmm. and, you know, I personally know people who I went to college with who got degrees, they're in debt and they're having a hard time finding like a job, not only a job that they want to do, but right. like one that they can, that can help them pay back their loans now, exactly. which is really sad to me. And it, it is. And, and half the time they don't even end up using that degree for the job that they end up going into. So that's, right. that's what I saw going to college. I mm-hmm. went for one year Okay. and a lot of my friends didn't end up using their college degrees or they would yeah. switch it. My brother, I think switched his uh, major like four times. Um, so that's another thing to say about like at 16, 17 years old, years old, you don't know exactly what you want to do. And to put so much pressure on somebody to know then what they want to do with the rest of their lives is is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think also when I was 17, I had no idea, like I had no idea what it meant to take out a loan. Yeah. I had no idea like how much a dollar was really worth. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're taking out $80,000 in loans. That's just what it costs to go to school. I didn't, I had no idea what $80,000 was or whatever yeah. the number is. Yeah. And I was not thinking about after college, mm-hmm. okay, my, is my degree going to help pay this yes. back? And am I going to be happy many kids with, do think, with what that degree is? And that, so yeah. I think it's awesome just to bring it back. I think it's awesome that you're talking to Boston at least about 
to let him know there's other options there besides college. There are so many other options. Yeah. And it's probably because my job doesn't require a college degree yeah. that I'm so aware of that. Um, I think my parents were a little nervous when I, I was young when I decided I wanted to do hair. Mm. And so they were so they were, I think they were a little nervous about me not doing college and not, not having that experience. So mm-hmm. they did want me to go to college the first year after I graduated high school. So I did. Um, and yes, I took out a loan and yes, I paid it back forever <laughs> just for that one year. Yeah. But, um, I guess the experience was great. I did meet some really great people. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of my homework, I ended up doing people's hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that kind of answered the question of what I was supposed to be doing. I went to hair school after that and I ended up, I think my first year doing hair, I probably made more money than any of my friends. Yeah. And so, um, and that isn't even like important. What's important that is, is that I loved it. I knew that that's where God had me and what I was gifted with. And, um, and I think the most, um, surprising detail with that was, you know, growing up, I always thought I would go into ministry mm-hmm. and I ended up doing way more ministry in the salon than mm-hmm. I ever would have in a church. Wow. They're the group of people that I got to talk to was so much more diverse. Yeah. So I appreciated that so much about God's kind of sense of humor and his his plans beyond my plans. Yeah. He knew. What do you think it is about people like the person who does your hair? Like, why do people feel so comfortable talking to them? Uh, I think there is something to be said about physical touch because mm. I've heard massage therapists talking about that, chiropractors talking about that, estheticians. Um, there's something about the physical touch, but I also think you're one-on-one with this person and I don't know. I think you sit down and you zone out and you start talking because I've had clients actually say, I can't believe I just told you that. Mm. And so it's, they just kind of, maybe they needed to talk and they didn't even know. Um, and then presenting, uh, an environment has always been important to me where people feel comfortable. Um, right now I'm just doing hair out of my house. Mm -hmm. Um, eventually I'll probably go back to a salon, but I probably will do one of those office like suites that I can just have my own area because Mm -hmm. I think my clients have enjoyed being able to just be one-on-one or at the most one other person there. Yeah. I remember, so my mom also does hair and she did hair out of the house growing up. And I remember it was so normal to me that like, yeah, sometimes (laughs) my mom would be, I'd be, you know, doing whatever a kid does and Mm -hmm. my mom's working and I'll hear someone start crying. Crying, yeah. And that was normal to yep. me. But now, growing up, I'm like, wow, it really is like people are so vulnerable yes. with their hairdressers. And, it, it is interesting. It's an interesting yeah. dynamic. There's probably something psychological about it. Yeah. I've so probably a year ago, up until a year ago, no one had ever really cut my hair besides besides mom. my mom. Okay. I actually remember. I think you might be the first person right, I remember. When you were younger. Yeah, mm-hmm. besides my mom who did my hair. Um, but my mom always cut my hair. And then a year ago, I was, well, oh, so a year ago, I was getting ready for my wedding. Yes. And I knew I wanted to have a fade at yes. my wedding. And so Go I started barber. going to a barber. Yes. And it's been, I, I'm still going to that same barber mm-hmm. now. And I'm getting to experience that a little. That, that environment. Yeah, because, you know, 
when my mom was doing my hair, I always just talked to my mom. Mm -hmm. But now I'm with my barber who I've been going to for almost a year now. I've like built a relationship with him. And it is strange to me that like, I never knew this guy before. I don't know anything <laughs> about his life. Outside of the barber shop. Of, yeah, yeah. Don't know anything about him. But mm-hmm. when I'm there, I feel very comfortable mm-hmm. talking with him and, Good. And, and things like that. But I'm sure you've had some great conversations with oh, clients Oh my goodness. Some funny, some sad, yeah. some happy, you know, just some deep. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's a whole variety, but I appreciate it all. And I learn just as much as I'm able to share. So yeah. it's probably a part of the job that you really can't train for. Yeah. I don't know how people do that. That don't have the Lord. Mm. I really don't like, I can't imagine not being able to, at the end of every shift or at the end of every work day, not being able to give that back over to the Lord, because yeah. I think I would feel really heavy holding mm. everybody's worries yeah. and um, fears and all of the things that they share um, if I were, weren't able to give it over. Yeah. But also I pray before my clients come that mm. God gives me wisdom and that I can, that he can just speak through me because I don't always have the advice that they need, but I can, you know, sometimes a verse will come to mind or I'll say, Hey, I'll pray with you about this. Um, and I truly, truly do that, but also just to prepare my heart so that I can be whatever they need me to be while they're there. Yeah. That's uh, I think Callie has talked to me about that too. Just like she's really had to, um, prioritize like when she's done working, like taking a moment to kind of let go of the work day you really do yeah and Mm -hmm. so that's a i I think that's a heavy thing to carry around so you gotta let it go um eventually but well thanks for talking to me about work i want to go back to um boston senior year okay because i remember i feel like my senior year was kind of like the year where i stopped feeling like a kid okay i started like feeling like different Mm -hmm. just because I was having conversations I never had before. Right. And I think some of that was healthy. Some of it was unnecessary. Yeah. And I want to ask you, like as a mother, it's kind of a two part question, but this will be Boston's last year where he Mm -hmm. has to go to school after Mm -hmm. this, he can make make his own decision Mm -hmm. what he wants to do. Um, I want to ask you, what is your hope for Boston what, how do you hope he looks back on his senior year, years from now? Um, and then the second part of that is, how do you hope to look back on his senior year, but also um, just this season of life where you mm-hmm. have kids that are kind of growing up and getting ready yes. to graduate and make big decisions? Okay, so the first one is, how do you want him to look back on yeah. his senior year? I want him to... Um, he's in the last couple of years found an amazing group of friends, um, that are, they have fun together. They laugh a lot. They also encourage each other a lot. They go to love squared together. And so, um, they are learning how to be leaders and growing spiritually together. They're all very different. And I love that, that they're learning about different things from each other. Um, so I want them to have a lot of fun with them. Um, he's, very similar to me, kind of takes himself seri- uh, way too seriously a lot mm. of the time. And so I'd, I'd like for him to be able to like let loose and have some fun. Um, but also to not look back on the senior year and go, man, I wish I would have tried harder in mm. school. 
um, because we are so laid back. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's easy to let go of that and be like, oh, it's fine. I don't need to do my homework (laughs) or whatever, you know. And so that's caught up with him this year. And that's stressful. Yeah. More than anything, I don't want him to be stressed out trying to catch up. Mm -hmm. So I really hope that he starts off his senior year and ends his senior year going, I did my best. Mm -hmm. I did what what was asked of me in school and I got through it. And I feel good about it. Yeah. So academically, I, that's my wish for him. And then with friendships, I just want him to experience all the fun stuff. Yeah. He did get to go to prom this year, but I'll, you know, I hope that he gets to go again and mm-hmm. do all of the things, go to all the games and yeah. be part of the student section and, you know, those fun things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about for you? How do you hope you can for remember? Me, and really, um, it's not just for Boston, but for, I mean... Sammy's still young, but yes, you're in the season having two now. high schoolers. Yeah. I'm actually enjoying, as hard as it is to have older kids because it's more emotionally hard, um, I'm enjoying this season more than I enjoyed little ones. Mm. So like babies and toddlers, um, while I was in that season, I had the energy for it just enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a ton, yeah. but just enough. But I kind of always knew about myself that I was going to enjoy having older kids mm-hmm. more. I never hear a baby crying or see a baby and think, I wish I was back there. <laughs> I just don't. Like, mm-hmm. that's never even been a thought that's crossed my mind. If anything, I'm like, oh, thank God I don't have a baby right now. Yeah. Because I'm that season's over. Mm-hmm. And my grace has gone yeah. for that. I'm sure when I have grandbabies one of these days, it'll come back. Yeah. But. Um, I'm really enjoying my teenage kids. I, me and Boston are alike in some ways and we're different in some ways. Me and Mira are more different than Mm -hmm. anything, but I admire her so much because Mm -hmm. there's so much that she does that I wish I could have done. Um, and then for Boston, he and I have just always had a special relationship and as a as a little boy, he was just the sweetest thing. Yeah. You know, do you remember his oh, spirit? Yeah. It was just the sweet Peaches. spirit. You and you and Boston are a lot alike. Mm-hmm. But um, so I'm looking forward to maybe that returning. He's definitely gone through his teenage years and stuff, but I can see glimpses of that yeah. coming back and and becoming more of the mature version of that. Mm-hmm. And so I actually enjoy being around them. Yeah. Um, Mira makes me laugh every single day and she's literally I'm pretty tough as a parent as far as like if you're in trouble you're in trouble I'm not gonna crack I'm not gonna let up my word is my word mm-hmm. and she can crack me <laughs> every time the only person probably in the world wow. and so she's a lot of fun because mm-hmm. she just she's always the joy and the lightheartedness and then Boston's a peaceful spirit and mm-hmm. um is super encouraging and I just can't wait to see what God does in his life. It's like exciting for me to see my kids growing and becoming who God wants them to be. I can't wait for it. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for them and I want them to feel just as excited and just as confident as I do Mm -hmm. in what God has for them. Yeah. Well, you have amazing kids. Thank you. I'm sure you know that. Thank you. I love it's it's different because I'm their cousin, but I do yeah. feel like I've gotten to watch them grow up. Yeah. Whenever I see, especially Boston and Mira now, mm-hmm. every time I'm like, wow, they are so grown now. <laughs> it's Because you remember when they were babies. Yeah. There's, yeah. They're like some of the first kids where I've yeah. experienced that. Like they're not like just the kids I remember anymore. Right. They're young adults and mm-hmm. it's been fun to watch them and I'm proud yeah. of them and who they are. Um, yeah. 
Well, thanks for talking about your kids yeah, with me. Absolutely. Um, I asked my mom this question uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've decided I want to start asking more guests this question. Okay. And it's about uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because it's been well over two years now since the pandemic mm-hmm. started, at least here in America. And, you know, I think I I can remember like a moment where like it became real for me. Like mm. the world is different now. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure everyone has, has that memory. Mm-hmm. But I don't really feel like there was ever a moment and I don't expect there to ever be a moment where it's going to feel like it's over now. Yeah. Like, it, I never really, no one ever came out and said, the pandemic's over. Um, and, you know, I don't know if the pandemic's over or not. But yeah. I think that it's important that we at least take time to reflect on what the last two years was. Mm-hmm. And hopefully be able to, to reflect on what we learned from it. Yeah. And so I just want to ask you, Auntie, your experience through the pandemic, what did you learn from it? What did I learn from it? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, first of all, I loved being able to stay home. Mm. Loved it. Yeah. It was so great that everything kind of slowed down to my speed because mm-hmm. that's like where I feel comfortable. We were home. Um my family, we love to sleep. <laughs> so my kids slept in, we slept in. Mm-hmm. I didn't experience um, a whole lot of fear. I just, I don't, that's not my go-to emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that was so much a part of um, a lot of people's reality for that time. And I'm super sympathetic to it because I have so many friends that actually really, you know, that's how Satan attacks them. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't necessarily more than anything. I was like, man, maybe we needed a pause button mm. for a second. You know, yeah. who knows? Who knows? There's always. I just always want to see purpose in everything, and so, um, I probably thought about the positives more than anything. Yeah. Um, but what I've learned from it, um, maybe more about myself is I had to become more empathetic to other people's struggles Mm. um because like i said earlier my thought process is practical and logical most of the time and Mm so because fear isn't part of that process um when i started hearing people be fearful it was really easy for me to be judgmental Mm. and critical of like where's your faith at yeah and it wasn't about that Mm. i i know that now um but god really challenged me with my own how are you loving Mm -hmm. others how are you serving others Mm. um and so even taking my thoughts captive with that but then also asking people why what is what is your fear yeah where is that based in and um, how can I pray with you? How can I pray for you? And then also letting myself be awakened to some of those things that were, maybe I was just digging my head in the sand about, yeah. you know? And so, um, I don't know. It was a roller coaster for me too, because I'm not super political. And so yeah. I really hated hearing all of the back and forths yeah. with the entire, like the conspiracy theories mm. and then the people that were, you know, on both sides. And I, I just have a hard time going, can't we all just agree that we're going to think differently and just move on with our lives? <laughs> no, like we can't do that. <laughs> I mean, goodness. <laughs> so no. I don't know. I think 
I'm just trying to be more empathetic and mm-hmm. love others and that it definitely I'm I'm one of these people that's like, oh, we don't think alike, great. Have fun with your life. Like mm-hmm. good. Like I, I don't expect others to believe the same way that I do. Yeah. But I definitely don't like it when people try to talk me out of my own beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I felt very manipulated during mm-hmm. that time with media. Um, I'm like, I don't want to watch the news. I don't want to be manipulated. I felt very manipulated. So I had to just kind of work through those things. So more than anything, I guess what I've learned is really question, okay, what is it that you believe stick, you know, stick with it and stay true to that, but also be super empathetic and love people where they're at and what they believe. Yeah. I think that that's really good. I think like the pandemic in 2020 in particular ushered in, the era of opinions. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Everyone has an opinion on everything. Yeah. And I don't think that's how a healthy society functions personally. Yeah. And I've myself have found myself like being way more opinionated on things that I don't know anything about. Right. You're just like wasting your energy on it. Yeah. It's just like, I need to have an opinion on this. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this issue or that issue? Yeah. And I think it's great to be, you know, informed mm-hmm. and conscious of what's going on around you. But I also think you, there's a lot of energy that you, you put into yes. like not only forming these opinions, but defending them. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, and not being kind about it either. Yeah. 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 I think kindness is something we could all use a little more of. Oh and goodness. Hopefully we 100%. learned that from the pandemic. But. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for talking about that. I, I really, I think that, we will look back on this time in history um, definitely as a time where there was a lot of loss and mm-hmm. and pain. Um, but hopefully we can also look back on it as a time of growth. Oh my goodness. So much growth. I don't know how much time we have, but um, I was going to say too, for me and uncle personally, for our family personally, we had um, such a time of growth in our neighborhood Um, it was a stretch for me. I'm not super social. And so I hadn't really gotten to know our neighbors all that well. And I'm sure uncle, uncle shared this story, but, um, we grew so close with our neighbors and they became our community outside of like, we have other communities at church and with our family and our friends and all of that. But this was very special because it was the people we lived around and it was such a huge ministry and such an opportunity. And we, gained so much wisdom and and love from all the people that surrounded us Mm -hmm. and it was just so special and we still spend time with them yeah and i love that we would have never had that if if everything hadn't shut down yeah i think that's a part of like american culture that i think is kind of dying it is it's like having neighbors and like Mm -hmm. being a part of your community that the people that you actually are living around loving them serving them yeah and yeah. I think there's probably people who can explain a lot better why that's happening. Mm-hmm. But I think that just for the, like, culturally, it's important for everyone, for kids growing up to yeah. have neighbors that they can play mm-hmm. with and for mothers and fathers to have neighbors they can talk about their kids with. Or, right. Or talk about their marriage with yeah. those things. And I think there's a lot of people that don't, that's a void in yeah. their life now. And so. You're right. It um, contributes to the loneliness, which contributes totally. to the mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. There's so much. It goes yeah. so deep. Well, I think that's really special that you guys were able to cultivate that community yeah. through something that was such a 
tragedy yeah. a lot of growth has come from that but. yeah definitely well we actually are running out of time okay. to you but i want to finish off just by thanking you for being here Absolutely. um and encouraging you to uh, keep sharing your voice with people because you, i Josh. think your voice is so valuable and you have so much wisdom and it's an honor for me to be able to have you here and i know our listeners are really going to be blessed by you thank you i feel the same way about you in mm. fact i've texted you before saying i want to hear more from you mm. i want to hear your opinions you okay let's finish on this because yes. you actually have suggested in the past yeah that my guests should be able to ask me questions yes so i didn't tell you this i actually wasn't preparing on finishing like this okay. but do you have a question for me oh, since great. that was your idea? Thanks a lot for preparing me. <laughs> if you if you don't, then that's fine. I'll let you for next time get ready. Oh, okay. I'll ask you a question. Okay. What's your favorite podcast that you're currently listening to? My favorite podcast? That's a great question. Um, right now, there's a show called the Lex Friedman Podcast. Okay. Have you heard of it? I haven't. So Lex Friedman is... Um, it's, it's kind of a nerdy podcast, mm -hmm. but he works at MIT okay. in their, I think it's robotics mm -hmm. department or something, mm -hmm. but his podcast is, it's not about that at all. He's okay. just a really smart guy. It's okay. an interview podcast. Okay. And so I enjoy his, um, his shows because one, the guests that he have are just amazing. Like he recently had, uh, Mark Zuckerberg mm -hmm. on um who i don't know if you know who bobby lee is but he's mm. a comedian a okay. famous comedian it's all from a yeah. wide range of people That's and cool. i think lex friedman is just really good at asking people like very intimate questions okay. in a good way and okay. so i kind of get to listen to he's just a really smart guy and mm -hmm. i get to hear from his perspectives on things and with people who um, I feel like I know people better after I listen yeah, to this podcast. Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah, it's called the Lex out. Friedman Podcast. Okay. Great question, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, there's a free shout out for a podcast with millions of views. Yeah, no kidding. You really need to. But, well, thanks again, Nancy. And Absolutely. hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometime. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. To those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day.